Hi everyone, you're listening to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview investors to find out how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Enjoy the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Multifamily Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Koo, and this is the show where I interview multifamily real estate investors and discuss how they found their rhythm and created their own sound investments. Today, we are bringing back Nick Earls and Eric DiNicola. If you want to hear their story and hear what they're working on, you've got to listen to the episode on Tuesday. Because today we are going straight into the action items episode in case you want to get into condo development and hearing just some really strong granular tips and steps that you can take if you're interested in following their same path. So Eric and Nick, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having us. Awesome. So yeah, let's let's yeah, let's just get get started and get right into it. I mean, I let's say I heard you guys on on my on the podcast beforehand, and you know what? This sounds really interesting. What would you say that first? And you know, I wanted to do this in a major major area. Now, actually, you know what? Let's just scratch that. Let's make it a little bit more general first, and then we can get you know a little bit deeper. But I want to take that step into development. Where should I start first? Yeah, so I actually wrote a book, which goes into all the steps. So we could kind of go through what I wrote in the book. But I should mention the book itself, if you want to be able to kind of read what we mentioned in text form over this podcast, it's at winterspringcapital.com slash development dash book. So I, I think the the way to get started, though, in development is a couple different things. You want to figure out, first of all, how you're going to handle the construction portion. And what I recommend to most people is to work with a GC. Don't try to do it by yourself. I know that you can add value through sweat equity, but it's it's not scalable, it's not sustainable, and you're going to hate yourself for that decision unless you're a masochist. So <laughs> we actually started off self-GCing, and oh, wow. that's one of the lessons we learned. We moved towards working with GCs. Yeah, you might pay a little bit more, but... You can do three, four, five projects at once instead of toiling away every day on a single project. So the the step to finding a GC, I think, is talking with people. You want to get word of mouth references and then get an idea of how much it costs to build either a renovation or a ground up new construction building in your area. Because that that piece of information will allow you to start analyzing deals. That's kind of step one in my eyes, because you're then able to go to the open market, see what things they're selling for, speak with realtors get or brokers and get deals sent to you. But the one mystery piece to people from the outside looking, looking in is the construction costs. And it varies from market to market, mostly due to the cost of labor. So you, you want to figure that out first, I would say. And so roughly, I, I mean, there's this huge conception then that people are always talking about is, oh, this, this GC is taking advantage of me or this G is full of ish. How would you go about vetting certain contractors then, you know, I guess like a, diving a little bit deeper than, than just like word of mouth then like, do you compare them? Do you go on walks with them and bid the same, same jobs? Uh, what are some of the strategies that you guys go through through betting these, these contractors? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you hit it on the nail on the head, Taylor. We, 
A, we wouldn't just, you know, rely on one. We wouldn't get a quote from one. But I guess to step back, then we would, we'd start getting quotes. That'd be the first thing. So we'd have whoever was in our network at that point, whoever maybe we had worked with before, those would kind of be the, the first guys we'd go to. We'd say, Hey, look, we have this new project. Our architect can usually do up a schematic pretty quickly. We might say to him, Hey, look, this is. You know, could you design something here where we could get nine units and have, you know, nine garage parking spaces underneath? And it might be a small parcel of land. And he can just from his computer, you know, he goes on Google Maps, checks it out. He looks at the parcel size and the assessor's map. He knows what he's dealing with. Then he could do a pretty quick schematic and say, what do you guys think of this? And, you know, it might not be the final final plan, of course, or even close to it, but we would know, okay, roughly if we have nine units and nine parking spaces, we know in this market, your typical condo for whatever neighborhood we're looking at, because we would have already done this research, would sell at around maybe a thousand square feet for this much money. So we know, okay, we're probably dealing with, you know, a 9,000 square foot building plus the common area and garage. Maybe that's about 20%, 30% of it. So we'll say, okay, we have roughly like a 12,000 square foot building then in this example. So we'd get these very rough schematics from our architect. And we would send it to the contractor, say, hey, look, you know, this is something we'd be looking into. It would be high level finishes. You know, we'd want tile throughout here. We'd want engineered hardwood. We'd want, you know, Bosch appliances, nice stuff. We're talking about the luxury condo market. Mm -hmm. And then they would just come back to us with a price and a time frame. And then sometimes they're for the same building. They're way off. They're way different from each other. We're kind of going through this right now with something. So we would really get through those guys first that we have experience with that we know okay someone else we know has experience with or just you know we've seen a good project from them and we want it so we get all the quotes from those guys and as far as your listeners go if you don't have experience with someone obviously if it's your first time the word of mouth thing is pretty big i mean you're not going to find a good contractor usually by just kind of searching google you want to kind of a find one that maybe you've seen a project in your area. You drive by and you see their sign. You're like, wow, this is coming along nicely. Maybe you know another developer. Maybe you know someone who in some trade who's worked with this guy. Maybe you know a subcontractor who's been hired by them. Get as much info you, as you can and then meet the person. I mean, I, you know, it's not, it's not obviously the end all be all, but you, you can get a sense too sometimes when you meet some of these guys, how interested they are in doing it, how honest they are. But to summarize this whole, how do we get the contractor? You really just have to get a lot of quotes, compare and take in all the info. And like I said, you can sort of get a sense sometimes. One guy is hungry. He gets right back to you. He says, these are my references. I just did these other projects. That's someone you probably want to pay more attention to than the other guy who says, ah, we're six weeks out. I'll call you back in two weeks. And it, you know what I mean? You can kind of get that early sense. So that's that's how we do it. And we just get as much data as we can with the data we already have, which is usually the size and scope. And we say, okay, how much would this cost? Compare everything. And it usually comes down to cost. But again, if we got some really low ball number and we had never worked with a guy and we weren't getting the info we wanted from, we wouldn't just automatically you know, go with those guys. Now, have you ever, I guess, like had a, a bad experience with a GC for one of these projects that you had to like, I guess, let them go or it was just like pulling teeth throughout the whole project. And, you know, how did you manage, I guess, a bad GC if you've had one? Yeah, we've never really had that. We, ah, we've nice. had... Congrats. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We had bad subcontractors when we were our own GC, though. 
weird ones too. Like we had, uh, <laughs> it was like a multifamily ground up development and we needed to have a sprinkler system due to the size of the building. And who would think this subcontractor was like, everyone else was done. We were ready to get our certificate of occupancy, which is like the legal thing that allows people to live there. Right. And this sprinkler contractor, like they couldn't get their their tests to pass and they had done some part wrong and they kept having to come back and fix it and they weren't responding to us and Eric texted him and the guy was like texting back like vague threatening messages about like I, I don't Gibberish. know yeah it was just it, it, it was it, three in the morning he and he well, and he said I'm over here now and he was at the project one night at like two in the morning on a Saturday <laughs> trying to work like off business hours yeah this is a strange story yeah one of one of the reasons why we decided actually to go with GCs because instead of managing ten potentially people that could go rogue and and start doing all this crazy stuff it's just one one, one crowd you know and yeah. if you vet them up front things could go wrong of course but. You put all it's easier to vet one company than all the subs, you know? Yeah. So it was that fire sprinkler contractor that ruined it all for you guys to start going going after other GCs. At first when you said weird, I, I guess I didn't necessarily think that it was I thought it was just weird, like in general, like maybe he liked my little pony and just always talked about it all the time. And uh, that, that would have been better. He was, he was weird oh. with the like threatening text messages. He, he definitely fit the bill. No, but. no survivors. That's what he said. Right. Oh, yeah, no survivors. I, could, I just really? randomly, he says he texts no survivors to answer a question. We are uh, very confused about what was going on there. Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> that's, that's really, really weird. But uh, I'm glad you guys, I'm glad you guys got through yeah, it, got out of it. Too. <laughs> <laughs> learned from it and you know i guess it eventually it got done but ah geez thank you for for sharing that's uh that's rough and so you know once you once you have the gcs i mean before we we wrap up here in a, in a few minutes you know we can i'd love to know just a little bit more like so let's say let's say we have the the gc set next step what should we do or what should we focus on so i mean i i think you you should be looking a lot at um Where's your target market? You know, you want to find a place where the price per square foot sellout of a condominium significantly exceeds that construction cost per square foot number you got from the GC. Those are the markets that you really want to start honing in on. Get MLS updates, talk to brokers, start mailer campaigns, cold calls, knock on doors off market, you know, a combination of all of those things. Find those markets, which you know is, can easily be done. You speak to a, a knowledgeable broker in your area, and they'll tell you, you know, you need to go here to hit five hundred dollars a square foot. And you already know, okay, construction here costs two hundred foot. I want to target five hundred a foot because you got to factor in that acquisition price as well. Mm. Good to know. Good to know. Thank you very much. And uh, any any final words before we wrap up for our listeners? If um, you know, I would say we you know we kind of gave the first steps of that process. If you kind of see it through the entire thing, I mean, you should start and try to sell your units if you're doing condo units like ours. Start marketing them and and hoping to get them under contract well before you're finished. 
especially if you're in a really desirable area, you'll have demand. Some people love the idea of new construction. They're gonna they'll say, look, I'll wait seven months till this is done because it's I'll be the first one in. But have kind of a plan how you're gonna do that as well. Because if you can get well, put it this way: there's there's nothing, there's no more, there's no worse feeling kind of than when you're done, you haven't sold any, and the bank loan is maxed out, and you're paying the highest interest without yeah. any, you know, revenue yet. Right. So to 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 have your units under agreement before you're done is is the inverse. Of that. It's the greatest feeling. You know, as soon as this is done, that money's coming in. We're not going to sit on the huge loan for more than you know one minute, and. uh if you can, if you can sort of add that as your next step, to this process, that's you, you kind of have a good overview of how to do and what to do. In 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 terms of that time frame, would you say like when you know framing's finished and drywall's going up, is that early enough or even earlier? It's it's never early enough. Definitely, okay. most people, most buyers, most normal people will, will kind of that is yeah what you're saying kind of makes sense. That is the stage where you'll have the most interest, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had sometimes units under agreement before we've even had a shovel in the ground just based on renderings of the building and, and yeah. the location was so good. So yeah, never you can never have that done early enough. But realistically, a lot of times that's when it starts really kicking off. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, now do you when you guys buy uh, you know these properties for condo development and then you guys sell them off? Are you guys using uh, another agent or another broker or the same maybe the same listing broker that had it beforehand? Or are you guys selling them individually yourselves? It really depends. So in a certain markets. We'll go with kind of a broker who really fits that market. Like we have a $25, $26 million development coming up projected to be in that range of a sellout anyways. That actually we we just broke ground on it. Excavation starting soon. Demolished. Yeah, thank you. For that one, we went with a specific brokerage because it's a hyper luxury market. Five minutes from Harvard and MIT, you're selling units there for like nine hundred to a thousand bucks a foot. So we we feel that we want to go with real expertise in that specific sub market. But a lot of times for like the projects in East Boston or other neighborhoods like Dorchester. We sell them ourselves. We actually are starting our own brokerage. Eric's been working under Keller Williams for, I don't know, four or five years now. I started off as an agent, as I said in the previous episode. So we have a background in sales, which I think has helped us a lot. Obviously, we we make more money selling it ourselves. So we we like to sell it ourselves. And we Eric just got his broker's license. So we just got to get that company kicking into gear. And we're going to have a, a whole new arm to the to the company and start getting agents recruiting them as well. Nice, nice. Congrats. I mean, sound, I mean, it sounds even like a even bigger 2022 coming up then. I, I one final final question before we wrap up. Do you think people need a license to be able to I guess do what you're doing or do you think they can get started without it? No, they they could get started without it. I think the biggest question if that's what they're asking is do I want to do this myself or do I want to do this passively? Because some people say, I like I like how much money you would make from a condo development, but that kind of sounds like impossible for me to do while I have a full-time job. And maybe I don't want to quit that job yet for uncertain income for a while while I have a good, certain, stable income. So I think, no, I, I mean, really, it's not rocket science. Once, once you learn what you're doing, you, anyone can really do it. It's just about 
do you want to do it passively or do you want to be the guy who's who's kind of putting it all together, which requires, you know, almost more than a full-time commitment, you know? Got it. And you learn rocket science. I'm assuming you're, uh, I mean, with engineering, so. <laughs> and, and, until the professor had the uh, comment about who makes the most money within the, in the company. <laughs> uh, no, was you're a right. good you're day right. one speech bit. for her. Yeah, no, it wasn't. I guess he was trying to weed out who really wanted to be there to One develop bit. or who was trying to set up their, their future, I guess. So it was kind uh. of the, yeah. But no, no, that's that, that's actually a very good question, Taylor. And it's and anyone can do it. It's just about having the idea, jumping in and making that decision. Do you want to do it or do you want to just, you know, benefit from it and have someone else do it? Both are completely viable and realistic options. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you again. And if people want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So our website, lots of educational resources there. The book, as I mentioned, winterspringcapital.com. LinkedIn, Eric and I are both on there, Nick Earls and Eric D. Nicola. If you like social media, Instagram at Winter Spring Capital, job updates, um, cool videos of our projects, um, all sorts of good stuff on there as well. Yeah, I see Kyle all the time in that selfie in that selfie form. He's just taking property updates. So it's it's pretty cool to see. Definitely give him a follow, reach out to them. I thank you, Nick and Eric, for hopping onto the show. And thank you everyone for listening. I'll see you next time. Thanks, Absolutely. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you got any value out of the show, I'd greatly appreciate if you leave a rating and review on iTunes to help others receive that same value. If you're looking to learn more on how to passively invest in apartment buildings or self-storage assets, click on my link in the show notes to learn more. Thanks, and I'll see you next time.